Hey, Grace, good to be here again. And not only, uh, not only good to be here, but you guys, this is the perfect weather. Um, now I know uh, why you live up here. You get three days like this, right, every year, don't you? I mean, that's kind of why you live up north here. And we're, we're only a couple hours south, so I'm just giving you a hard time. But it's great to be with you again. Uh, it is a joy. We're, we're trying to uh, just be a part of the Grace family for a little bit. Our, uh, our staff and myself, um, just walking through a season with you. But God's at work in this church. It is a wonderful thing to be a part and see what God is doing. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 today, though. So grab your Bibles and uh, smartphone, whatever, and make sure you walk along with us. A lot of times in church, um, we kind of come in and we kind of check out. Don't check out. When the Word of God is being taught, doesn't matter who's up here, don't check out because it is your opportunity to hear from God, from His Word, and you think you're reading God's Word, and a few minutes later, you find out that God is reading you through His Word. He's reading your heart. He's speaking to you. And now, as we, uh, as we look into Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I want to begin by, by just praying, and then, and then we'll jump in. Father, I thank you for this body of believers I want to thank you for uh, Grace Church here in Mason City, uh, a footprint for the gospel in this community and, and many communities surrounding. God, may you powerfully be at work. May your Holy Spirit be present here in such a way that this church sees the kingdom advance in ways that they could not explain. We trust you. We love you, Lord. I want to thank you for every person here, every person online. God, speak to us because your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was, um, there was a song from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 many years ago. And I don't know if any of you remember it. Are you old enough to remember the birds? Anybody remember the birds, this singing group from the late 50s, early 60s? And they sang a song Turn, turn, turn. Do you remember that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just uh, see if you can recall it with me just a wee bit. I'll let them read scripture for a second, then I'll take over. Now that song will be stuck in your head for the next couple of weeks. And uh, what I hope it does is remind you of this text. And, and if you remember them, if you remember this group, it was, um, I think a guy's name was Pete Seeger wrote it, and, and it just captured our nation. And why did it capture our nation? Because not only because it is absolutely true about life. Life ebbs and flows there's good things, and, and you've got them marked on your calendar. An anniversary coming up, or, or maybe, maybe a due date of a child coming. You've got good things marked on your calendar, but you also have difficult things. There's that checkup with the doctor. There's radiation treatments. There might even be a funeral that gets scheduled in your, in your life, somebody you love and care deeply for. 
I mean, life ebbs and flows in such a way in our lives that, that we've got to stop and pay attention to what just grabbed the heart of so many and why Solomon wrote this incredible, and I think one of the, one of the deepest books that you will ever read. And it's right here in God's Word. And it's an, it's an older man writing to a younger generation and saying, I made a lot of mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes I made. You know, uh, life is fleeting. And when, when it ebbs kind of low into the valleys, we kind of shake our fist at heaven a little bit and we say, God, what are you up to? And when things are going well, we kind of think, man, I, I did a good job. And the Bible calls us back to think about the sovereign will and purpose of a holy God in our life. There's a, there's a verse I want to begin with, Psalm 115, verse 3. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Now that can be, for you, that can be like, well, man, of course, God's going to do whatever he pleases. But I want you to know that that's supposed to be a verse of security and encouragement for you. That you have a God who knows you and understand um, his sovereignty in the midst of this. So um, God's purposes are only understood considering his sovereignty. And that's critical, critical for us to know. If you're following along in your outline, that's the very first thing I want you to know. God's purposes are only understood considering his sovereignty. Now, the sovereignty of God is the biblical teaching that all things are under God's rule and control and that nothing happens without his direction or his permission. You know, talk about something that's difficult to get. Like, God, why did something happen in my life that caused me to go through this season of grief and pain? I mean, we all long for those seasons where, where things are going well. There's another critical passage I want you to hear, Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 through 11, before we get into the text. Remember this and be brave. Take it to heart, you transgressors or sinners. Remember what happened long ago, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place and I will do all my will. I have that underlined in my Bible. I have it starred in my Bible because we need to recognize that about the sovereign will of God. Things are going to ebb and flow in our life. Things are going to come in and out of our lives. And even relationships and difficulties are going to come. And we need to know that God's plan is going to take place. He will do his will. He says, I will call a bird of prey from the east, a man for my purpose from a far country. Yes, I have spoken, so I will bring it about. I have planned it. I also will do it. I mean, that's our sovereign God. He's separating everything else in all of creation. He's separating everything else from himself. And he's saying, I, I rule over all things. I, we were recently in an airport um, uh, in Southern California, or near Disneyland. And getting on a plane, I was taking some classes out there. And uh, I remember a little boy kind of dragging his dad toward a gift shop. And uh, the dad said, you know, the little boy had his, his Mickey ears on because they were going to go to Disneyland. They were going to hang out there as a family. That's why they flew in there from who knows where. And uh, this guy was trying to drag his dad into the gift shop. And his dad said, um, no, 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 we're not going to go in there and buy anything in that gift shop. You don't understand 
we're headed to Disneyland. You don't get it. And I, I often wonder if that's kind of the way things look to us. We want the immediate. We want the, the fix that we can make sense of right now. And God looks at the beginning from the end. God looks at the start. He looks at the finish. He looks at every detail in our lives, and he sees it from his eternal vantage point. He's saying, you know what? You might live 90. You might live 100 years. And he said, I've always been. I see better than you. Because I, when I see, I don't just see a moment, God says. I see all of the moments, even the ones that haven't happened yet. You know, one of the most difficult things about our life is what Scripture describes our life on this earth as. And I want you to just picture this. In James chapter 4, it says uh, that your life is a mist that appears for a little while. It's still there. It says, and then it vanishes. Then it kind of disappears. You know, God doesn't say that to be cruel with us. That was 100 years, 90 years, 80, 70, 60, 50, whatever. He doesn't say that to be cruel to us. He says it because in his sovereign will and purpose, he wants you and I to know that he's got everything under his control. And that our life under, under the sun, our physical life, is so limited but it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. In Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For it was you, God, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb, the psalmist writes. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, Lord. And I know them very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. That's how much God loves you. Think about it. He created you knowing every single day you would have. He created you knowing every single relationship you would have, every moment you would have. And he walks with you through this life that ebbs and flows. And there is a purpose under his sovereign will for everything we walk through. It's so incredibly important for us to know that. We live in a world where we get so isolated and there's so much pain. Do you remember last time I was talking about the isolation that most uh, we see around us and, and we sometimes feel so intensely that loneliness can kill us. Loneliness is something that can destroy us. And you remember last time when I was here, I, I shared with you that um, you, need, you need friends, you need to be connected with people. And you remember the, the silly thing that I shared about, um, you know, you, better to eat ice cream with friends than to eat kale alone. Anybody remember that? It was kind of funny that afternoon. I, I'm sitting at home and, and, I, and I got a uh, text with a picture on and they said, we're, we're applying the sermon. Hey, we're applying the sermon from today. I'm glad to see people at Grace and some of the staff are applying the sermon uh, from those uh, about a month ago. But I want you to know as, as life ebbs and flows and, and we connect with other believers, that's a significant part of our lives. And there is going to be part of this passage that's going to say, do that. Enjoy the good things in your life. 
There's another study about our aloneness and, and the difficulty of being alone that really grabbed my attention as well. It's in, in the AMA. They had 276 volunteers that were infected with a virus that produces the common cold. Who would do that? For how much money? I don't know. But the study found that people with strong emotional connections did four times better fighting off illness than those who were more isolated. So if you had good social connections, you could fight off the cold better. Isn't that amazing how God made us to be interconnected that way? These people were less susceptible to colds. They had less virus. They produced, and it gets kind of gross here, they produced significantly less mucus than relationally isolated subjects. I'm not making this up. They produced less mucus. This means, and literally true, unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. (laughs) They really are. Now, what I don't want is a picture of that this afternoon. You're not... (laughs) Unless the less side of that you you can send to me. You know what? God is saying in His Word, I'm governing over all things from beginning to end. I've got your life. I've got it when you're in the valley, and I want you to have your eyes on me. And, and when things are going well and you think you did it, get your eyes back to heaven. You know, God, I give you praise and glory for, for everything in my life. Acts chapter 17 talks about the sovereignty of God. 17, 24 to 28. These are kind of passages we, we just really needed to connect with before we dig right in and work right through it, and we're done at the bottom of the hour. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by hands. You can, you can make a building and try to put God in it. God's not going to be in your building, by the way. He comes, when you gather together, this becomes a church. When you are here. You know that? Because the Holy Spirit lives within you. You are God's church. You are the Lord's church. Neither is he served by human hands, praise God, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. You're like, let's make an offer on that house. And somehow your free will under God's sovereign purpose is worked out in his way for his glory. And you think, you know what? We just made an offer and we kind of moved there. No. God's stirring and moving all things. Determine the appointed times and boundaries. Even the time that you live, boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and we have our being, as even some of our po- your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. And I want you to think about Ecclesiastes chapter 3, a time for everything under God's purpose. And I want you to grab your Bibles. We're going to look through just verses 1 to 8 really quick. I'm going to read. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. 
a time to embrace and a time to em- avoid embracing. And we found out, I always wondered when that time to avoid embracing was. Now we know, it's COVID. You stay away from each other. No time to embrace. And we figured out what that was. A time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent, a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate. A time for war, a time for peace. You know, historically, when that song was was sung, we kind of think of it as, you know, the kinds of things that happen in life. And as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to think of it in a different way. I want you to think of it as a list of things that God sends. Boy, that changes our perspective. It's a list of things that God brings in our life, hard or, or difficult or easy or simple. And my, and my guess is those of you who have had the hardest life are those of you who have the deepest walk with your God. I remember a guy telling me that his, his wife had cancer, his wife was dying of cancer, and he had two really close friends, and neither one of them lived near, and they would drive by occasionally on vacation and he said one of them always stopped, always came to see them. The other one would text from the interstate and say, hey, I'm nearby, thinking about you, praying for you. Guess which one had a spouse who also had cancer? It's the one who got off the interstate, the one who drove up to the house and rang the doorbell and gave him a hug and said, I am not only thinking about you, I want to be with you. And you know, sometimes we're, we're distant and, and we don't even know what that feels like. But as we go through the difficulties in life, God builds us, he grows us, he makes us more like his son, like Jesus Christ. Think about when you, when you had kids and you're in that hospital room and your baby comes in and what if you had five minutes in that hospital room to look through a book of their life and you could... You could Go through that whole book of their life, and you could erase in five minutes. You could erase anything you wanted to erase in those five minutes. Man, you'd hustle through that book, and you'd be like, oh, wow, they break their leg, and I oh, don't want that to happen. Scratch that off. Oh, they have a friend whose mom dies of cancer in fifth grade. I don't want them to have to go through that. I'm going to scratch that off. And you know what? I'm so thankful God doesn't give us the opportunity to do that because, because you and I, in our, in our short-sightedness, and all of us are there, me in particular, we would, we would erase the kinds of things that come into our life, that ebb and flow into our lives, that make us who God wants us to be so we can bring more glory to him. We can be the kind of person that, that he can not only use, but that other people can be blessed by. So here, here's the point. God's purposes are made beautiful in his time or appropriate. You can write the word appropriate under that too because in, in the CSB, which is the version I use, the word is appropriate. And I like that because I think it's a better translation of the Hebrew there. What does the worker gain from his struggles in verses 9 through 11? I've seen the task that God has given to the children of Adam to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time. Everything has a place in God's, in God's um, sovereign will and purpose. He has also put eternity in their hearts so that no one can discover the work of God that God has done from beginning to end. And you know what? It just kind of blows our mind that God could weave all of this together. 
And because it blows our minds, sometimes we, we just don't want to even think about it. And Solomon is saying, think about it. Think deeply about it. Because the more deeply you think about it, the more you understand the sovereign will and purpose of God, the more you're going to be able to let him direct your life and to walk through those seasons, those difficult seasons, with the only kind of peace that you can have. I'm going to be honest with you. One of the most difficult things in my life caused so much pain. Uh, my father, I'm going to show you a picture of, uh, of my dad when he was in the Navy. So my dad many, many years ago. He was probably 20 years old here. Um, he was in the Navy as a very young man. He, um, at 39, uh, developed melanoma cancer, and uh, he died shortly thereafter. I was 13 years old um, and walking away from the grave of my dad. And I just want you to know that immediately, I was not a follower of Christ at the time, and immediately I began to shake my puny fist at heaven. God, I can't stand you. Why would you do this? In fact, probably said, um, you know, God, I, I, I hate you. And I want you to know in the midst of that, in all that pain, about four years later, I found myself kind of at the end of myself. Have you ever been there? You, ever been, you know what it feels like? It feels like you're down the end of a gravel road and it's really dark and you're just there and you don't even want to go on and, and you're just kind of done. I found myself there about 17 years of age and uh, it was at that point in my life that I heard the gospel. Somebody shared the gospel in a really clear way that Jesus Christ came to die for my sin and he created me. And he wanted to draw me into his family and to be a part of his family and that he would forgive me and that he would give me a purpose and a life. And it was at age 17, I gave my life to Christ. And I can tell you what, I'm never, never going to have perfection this side of heaven, but everything in my life changed. Everything was touched by God. You know what? As life ebbs and flows, you may find yourself in the midst of some of that kind of difficulty and pain. And I want you to think about this next point. God's purposes call us to a joyful and healthy fear of Him. Look at verses 12 through 15. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. It's also the gift of God whenever anyone eats, drinks, and enjoys all of his efforts. You know, Last time when they sent me a picture of eating ice cream, laughing together, enjoying that fellowship together, that was partly the worship that God calls us to. Enjoy the good things of this life. Enjoy them. Because God has given you those to remind you of his goodness, but also as you live under the sun in this temporal world during this brief time that you get, he said he wants you to fear him, wants you to pay attention to who he is. He wants you to respond to his call. I know that everything God does will last forever, he says. There is no adding to it or taking from it. And then another verse, part of the verse I have underlined in my Bible, God works so that people will be in awe of him. Whatever is has already been. And by the way, you know those jeans that you wore 30 years ago? Your kids will wear those kind of jeans and they will think they're cool all over again. It all kind of comes back around. It's the way life is. And whatever will be already is, however, God seeks justice for the persecuted. I love that. 
God's always seeking justice for those who are vulnerable, those who've been persecuted, those who are in a place of difficulty. And you know the way that he seeks justice for them is through his people, through his church. And every church that is uh, a gospel-teaching church really ought to pay attention to making sure that from whether it's um, the life um, in the womb or whether it's taking care of someone who is an orphan, maybe it's taking care of widows in your midst, that you are taking care of the vulnerable and loving them and protecting them and the vulnerable in our society because that's God's purpose and God's will. Such a beautiful thing. As we uh, get close to, um, to finishing here, I want you to also know God's purposes call us to consider our future. Look at verse 16 to 22. I also observed under the sun, there is wickedness at the place of judgment and wickedness at the place of righteousness. I said to myself, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. So since there is a time for every activity and every work, in other words, every human being who's ever walked on the face of the earth, we'll see God in judgment one day. That's where it gets real. You know this time under the sun, the short years that you and I get here? Do you realize that if you, you, can, you can kind of run after all kinds of things. You can run after pleasure. You can run after relationships. You can run after money and stuff. And you know what? It's kind of like trying to grab the wind. You think you get the wind in your hands and you don't. You can never get your arms around it. You will never find joy under the sun in this temporal world outside of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. And he's saying that if you don't deal with that, this side of heaven, there will be a time that you will see God. You know, for anybody who denies Christ, who does not want to walk with Jesus Christ, their very best moments are going to happen on this planet. They, it doesn't get better after this. But for the believer in Jesus Christ, you know what? The thing that you enjoy the most on this earth, heaven will be better than that all the time. It's the promise of God's word. I love, I love how, how he just is so real here. He said, it happens so that God may test the children of Adam, may see for themselves that they're like animals. If you don't know Christ in a personal way and your life comes to an end and you spend eternity without our God in heaven, this was it. And then you spend eternity in a place separated from him. The Bible calls a literal place hell. And he said, you know what? Then you've been living for yourself here in this very temporal place. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. People have no advantage over animals since everything is futile. If you're living in this temporal world and that's all that you're looking for, everything is going to end up futile because I guarantee you one day someone will be carrying your coffin. It'll be your fresh grave. And the years go by. Just ask anyone who has a few years behind them. The years go by like that. It literally is a mist that appears for a little while and then begins to vanish. That's life. And we have to deal with, on this side of heaven, we have to deal with those eternal ramifications. He says, I have seen that there is nothing better than a person to enjoy his activities 
because that is his reward for who can enable him to see what will happen after he dies. And and the beautiful thing about this is in all the difficulties of this world, in all the evils of this world, and there are so many that we could catalog, there are so many evils and sin that take place under, and, and if you read Ecclesiastes, which has become one of my favorite books of the Bible, if you read it, you'll see under the sun is talked about um, often. So under the sun in this temporal world, there's so much evil. And there will come a time that there will be an account that will have to be taken from that. You know, life doesn't seem fair. Sometimes good and righteous people seem to suffer greatly while seemingly evil people seem to prosper. I want you to um, imagine, look at verses 18 to 20 again. This happened so God might test the children of Adam, and they may see for themselves that they are like animals. And he's, only, he's, not, he's not saying you're an animal in value. Remember what it said in Psalm 139? Remember what it said about your value and the value of every single human being? He's just saying if you live on this earth without your creator, if you live without Christ in a personal way, you're living as if this is it. As if when this is done, your dust just goes into the ground and things are all over. And I want you to know that he's kind of crying out saying, do something with this. Verse 21, we know if the spirits of the children of Adam go upward and the spirits of the animals go downward to the earth, it demonstrates for us that unlike the beasts, man and woman will one day have to face our God. Man, life matters. It matters a lot. I want to show you a picture of my wife and her parents as we close. And uh, this picture is taken a couple of years ago. My, uh, my wife is... Um, Tracy is her name, and her parents are, are amazing. They became, after my father's death, and I, I married her years later, her father became like a dad to me, and her mom's awesome, lover of Christ. Both of them love the Lord. But we just checked uh, her, her into memory care. Her dad and Tracy, actually, uh, and her brothers checked their mom into memory care recently. Um, and I want you to know how, uh, as you walk that journey that you just, you just realize that this life isn't it. As you walk that journey where somebody begins to fail and, and you realize, you know what, that's not who she is. I remember how funny she is. I remember the way she used to joke with our kids. I remember uh, the relationship she had with each one of them. And uh, now she can barely remember who the very closest people are to her. And her life is kind of ebbing and flowing to the very end on this earth. It's a reality of life under the sun. But you know what I also know? Because she's a follower of Jesus Christ, she is going to get a new mind one day. When her life is done here, it is just beginning. She'll get a new body. She'll be able to live with her Lord for all of eternity. And you know what? When you know Christ in a personal way, this life isn't it. We have a sovereign God. As we close, I want to ask you to pray with me a couple of things. It's such a a serious text. I get that. I don't want you to go home thinking, you know what? Oh, man, I 
What a drag. I want you to go and I want you to think about under God's sovereign purpose and will that you as a follower of Christ can trust him in all the different pieces he's working together to bring into his final work in your life. But also, if you don't know Christ in a personal way, I want you to know, just like me, you can confess your sin. You can come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, and your life can begin to take a new direction with new hope today. Father, I want to thank you for these dear people. I want to thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It is powerful. It is life-giving. And these uh, dear folks here today, many already know you as Savior and Lord. Lord, I, I pray that we would just again stop and worship you. Recognize your sovereign will and purpose in our lives and worship you. No matter what we're going through right now, Lord, we know that you will work it out for your good. You will work it out even for our own good. And that's so hard for us to understand. We see very, very little. God, you see all from beginning to end. We trust you. I pray that every believer can say, Lord, I I just, I trust you. You have been faithful. I know you will be faithful. And Lord, also for anybody who doesn't know Christ in a personal way, I pray today might be the day of their salvation. They might just confess, you know what, I've tried to do it on my own. I've I've tried to grab the wind. I've tried to find purpose and meaning in this life. And, and I'm just tired. I'm fed up. I'm at the end of that road myself. And Lord, if that's anyone's prayer today, and they want to receive Christ as Savior and Lord, it simply says we confess our sins, and you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That Jesus Christ lived a perfect life He died and rose again as our hope, our only hope. And Father, uh, I know that if, if people are humbly praying, just seeking you this morning, they don't have to have magic words. They just need to be seeking Jesus Christ, confessing their sin and walking with you. I know that you can change the direction of our lives. Uh, Lord, today, speak to us through your word. I pray that you encourage us as we continue to walk together. Under the sun, we look forward to one day being together in eternity. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.